And, and there's the on-air signal. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. In fact, it is good evening if you're watching this live. Uh, welcome down to Security Rabbit Hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is Raf, and on the uh, far right over there is Mr. James. It might not be evening for everybody, Raf. We're global. Okay. If you're on the West Coast of the U.S., it's not the evening yet. But Yeah, it's 3 p.m. <laughs> That's right. Whatever. Early. The world is revolving around my time zone, okay? That's just yeah. how it works. Apparently. Typical and, East uh, Coaster. <laughs> right? And right coaster, left coaster, whatever. I'm on the roller coaster. Anyway. <laughs> no? Dad jokes? All right. Oof. Anyway, as we were uh, uh, trying to figure out, apparently, Tom, you've never been on the show. Now, I, we, I can't I'm believe glad it. we rectified that right now. Yeah. This is – it's it's kind of crazy. I mean – I thought for at least one time I'd be on this show because you've been on my show. Just to be, to be fair, but we're making a few up times time. actually. You've, you've had okay, yeah. but you've had several shows. I've had several podcasts. Yes, that's true. Security yours is, Yes. So, uh, so might as well tell everybody. Uh, introduce yeah. yourself, Mister. Hello, <laughs> hello. I'm the uh, founder and co-host of the Shared Security Show, which is another podcast that. Uh, I think most people have probably heard of, hopefully you've heard of, we've been doing it for 13 years, not as long as Raf. Uh, no, that's more than me. I'm, all, I'm actually, longer. actually longer than Raf. Yeah. Just a little bit. So yeah, a couple more years than Raf, but, uh, yeah. Was it always called the shared security show? No, it was the social media security podcast. That's what I, that's why yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that one. That was good. And then, yeah, then we started talking about more things than just social media because, you can only talk so much about Facebook and Twitter and before you, before you want to go, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Drink heavily or other things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then I, I, I was on security justice with you guys a long time ago, dipping back. Oh, yeah. When we were used to record in an Irish pub after yeah, an Irish an pub, that's right. group meeting. That's right. Every week. God, that yeah. all that getting all that gear across those tables. Yep. And praying to God nobody spilled beer on it. Yeah, there was that. And, and there may have been some beer or whiskey um, spilled on the equipment. I cannot confirm or deny that. but nah, Of course you can't. Yeah. So there was another one. Did you guys do one more before that? What, a podcast? Or, or, or around that time. I remember me, you, Kennedy. I've got the picture of us sitting around... Uh, no, that was security justice. That was security justice. That was the one where Dave's uh, pretending to uh, eat a microphone. Apparently, uh, y- yes. Yeah, I think he like licked my ear or something. Yeah. You know, something that Dave does to his friends. Yeah, 
It's just you, dude. It's Hence the reason why he wears the full yeah. over ear right. headphones now, so nobody so, can lick his ears. So I was in the Marines, and Dave was in the Marines. So Marines do crazy stuff like that. So it makes total sense if you were in the Marine Corps. I, you know what? Sometimes th there's just things I'm not going to go touch, and that's that's one of them. <laughs> that's one. That's off topic. Okay. I'm going to let that one go to another. Um, yeah. Anyway, all right. So what are you doing today, Tom? What are you doing nowadays? Uh, so I work for Bishop Fox. I am the uh, AVP of consulting. Um, so I oversee our red team, application security practice, network security practice. Um, and yeah, it's I've been there a little over a year and a half now. Nice. And it's been great. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're master of spreadsheets in uh, Salesforce. <laughs> spreadsheets. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's what you do as a manager and a leader. That right? is correct. That's right. Lots of spreadsheets. That is correct. That's what we do. Um, all right. Well, good. Hey, welcome to the show. You want to talk? We want to talk to you about managing large teams and technical teams because that's kind of what your your bailiwick is. Um, give us the uh, give us the skinny. How did you end up here? How did you end up? Oh boy! Because you did some pen testing back in your day. You did some appsec work. I think uh, you did a lot of stuff. T t give us give us the the uh, whirlwind tour of your career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do this in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I've been in IT, uh, well, IT and technology for like 17 years, a little over 17 years now, um, and then got into security probably in about probably 13 of that has been in security or what we known as, well, it wasn't even cybersecurity back then. And we won't have that debate about information security, right? But um, yeah, back then, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. That's InfoSec, right? And uh, I really got into security when um, I worked for a, a small real estate company and they didn't have a security team. This was right around Sarbanes-Oxley came out and a lot of mandates around moving your audit department over to a full-fledged security team. And so I was the first hire on that team where we literally had to build a security department from the ground up. So that nice. includes information security policies, all of those things. Um, the team was run by a, a former auditor. So you can imagine you know, when an auditor runs a team, um, there's lots of checking the boxes and, and things like that. Um, but it, it gave me a lot of experience. Um, hired our first pen tester uh, to come in and completely destroy uh, the network because that's what happens when you hire your first pen tester to come a, as company. pen testers do. Right. Yes. And I was so impressed. I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is completely owning us. And I like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of exciting. I want to do this for a living. And uh, that really was what inspired me to get into pen testing. And then I ended up working at a large financial institution and uh, things started uh, taking off from there. Um, we actually formed our first red team before red teaming was actually red teaming. Uh, nice. I think back then it was, as Chris Nickerson used to call it, uh, tiger teaming, mm -hmm. if you remember that back in the day. Back um, in the day. Back in the day. And uh, so, yeah, so I was part of that uh, initial internal red team, did a lot more pen testing, but also physical security assessments, breaking in the buildings, uh, had lots of great stories from that, from that time. Um, and then I ended up getting into consulting after that, where I actually got into management and actually managing a team of pen tester pen testers. And that was at secure state, which, uh, doesn't exist anymore. They were acquired. 
several years ago. So um, I remember those. Guys. I remember that. Yeah, I still have the I still have the Lizardville uh, uh, barback jersey. I'll bet you do. Yes, yes. That was a good time. That was right by our office where we. That uh, was a good time. Had some good times. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, as you know, consulting just gives you a whole new breadth of experience around different clients, different networks, different types of things. And um, I was a senior security consultant for, for a while, for a couple of years. And then I was asked if I wanted to be a manager. And that is, as everyone knows of, well, first of all, are you telling me that I have to be a manager <laughs> or do I actually get a choice in this? Because... I was at a point in my career of like, you know, someone that's very technical. I love the technical aspects of my job. And so being a manager was like, oh, does that mean that I'm no longer going to be able to do those things? And in fact, I was both a manager as well as still a security consultant. And so I was doing both jobs and nice. I quickly realized I was getting burned out. So doing a lot of travel, doing a lot of testing, still doing reporting, all the stuff that you have to do as a security consultant, but also managing a team and thinking about their careers and the day-to-day -day things that you just have to do as a leader. Um, I had to make the choice of, do I do this full time as a leader and manager, or do I go back to being an individual contributor and being a pen tester? And I think a lot of people struggle with that moment in their career. Um, Cause I know I certainly did. Yeah. So, you know, getting, we, we've talked about that a bunch of times, I think you and I, but getting to that point where you've decided you're going to manage people, you have to stay some level of technical. Yes. Um, you, you, it's really difficult. And I know people do it. So don't, don't, you know, put down the keyboard for a second, but I, and, and I know some people do it, but I, I find it, I found it very difficult to do both, to stay on both tracks. Um, because to be a keyboard cowboy and also manage the people aspect of it. And it was not just, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, utilization was good, that everybody was happy, that people were trained. It was meeting with customers. It was doing presentations. It was selling. It was you know, uh, budgeting, it was blah, like all the other stuff that went along with it. And suddenly you realize you look up one day, you're like, holy crap, it's been 12 months, yeah. 18 months. And I don't know, half the crap my team does anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough transition for sure. Um, I still kept a foot in the door in terms of the technical stuff. Uh, so I worked at Veracode before coming over to Bishop Fox and that was a role where I still worked a lot with sales and I still had that technical aspect with the sales team. So I felt that that was kind of my like, you know, the pre-sales things. I still had to know technology. I still had to understand the tech stack and everything about applications because AppSec was kind of my background. Yeah. As, you know, when I was at Secure State and I, that just continued over the years. So, um, you know, Veracode is a great opportunity for me to kind of still flex some of those AppSec muscles. Right. Um, and still talk to clients about it. And I was still very involved with what my team was doing as well. Um, and so that kind of gave me and, and I still do a little bit of that Bishop Fox, but not as much as I did in my previous roles. And I think that's also the transition from like day-to-day -day manager up to more of a executive or director level, which now you're even pulled further away from the technical um, yeah. as you get up the, the ladder, so to speak. I think there's yeah. a difference too, when you have 
you know, the organization saying, hey, we want you to make manager, but really what they're saying is we just want you to deal with the people below you. They don't really <laughs> want you doing leadership and that it's more of, no, we still want you to do technical. Mm-hmm. We just want you to schedule and, and have people report to you so they don't report to us versus, you know, really we want you to make that move. And I think a lot of people go through that where it's a, hey, we're going to make you manager, but it's it's like a baby step into that, which makes it really difficult to kind of disconnect from either side. Yeah. I mean, I think it gives you a choice too of, um, cause I've, I've had met plenty of people in that situation, kind of the blend of the manager, 50% manager, 50% technical, and they end up wanting to go back to an individual contributor role because maybe that's just a better fit for them. And then some of them just say, you know what, I really like the leadership and management aspect. I'm just going to be a director one day. And that's all I want to do. Um, so it, it kind of, I kind of like that, but it, it it's not sustainable in my opinion right. for doing this for a very long time. I think naturally you're just going to get to a point where, okay, I have to go one direction or another because it's going to be very hard not to burn out. Honestly, I think that's the worst part of it is you you can you can actually do both jobs, but it's it's really yeah. burning it on both ends, right? It's really oh, yeah. difficult to stay in in in, in both those swim lanes and oh, then not get so- left behind. And then it's such a short period of time, though, before you realize that that skill set you had <laughs> when oh, you make that decision. That's it. I mean, yeah. it's it's done because, you know, what you knew, you know, a year from now is like, wow, that's great, old man. But uh, we don't do things like that anymore. <laughs> oh, I feel like that now. Oh, I definitely feel that when talking to, you know, people on my team and, you know, I, I but I rely on them to stay up to date on the latest tools, latest techniques. I mean. Luckily, I'm doing a podcast where I'm talking about this stuff all the time, but nowhere I don't have that type of skill set anymore that, you know, someone doing pen testing every day does. Um, but that's that's the greatest thing about having a great team, though, below you. Yeah, that these are the people that you're hiring, you know, how you always want to hire people better than you. Right. That, right. That's one of the kind of rules that I've always followed. And. I'm just been very privileged to have just amazing, super smart and talented people, you know, sur- surrounding me uh, in my career. And uh, that's the best part. What I get out of being a leader is seeing the talents that I get to help coach and develop so they can do awesome things. And to me, that's the most rewarding aspect of, of being a manager, being a leader. How do you uh, how do you structure a team like that? Because I think there's a number of uh, schools of thought out there um, that talk about if you're, if you're in a leadership role, managing highly technical people, you want, uh, you don't necessarily want a matrix organization. You want hierarchical. So people can kind of, you know, you don't instantly, you don't have to get that drop off cliff between like, Hey, I'm a manager. And then that person below me is like severely further, you know, uh, advanced technically than I am. How do you balance that? That's a great question. Um, you have to be very careful, I think, when choosing your hierarchy, right, in terms of who your managers are, how many people report to said manager, um, I think is uh, something you really have to consider. I don't like having more than five or six people on a small team under a manager. Um, I like keeping teams small. Um, I think most people would agree. <laughs> and I've seen crazy teams. I'm sure you have too, Raph, in, yeah. in your time where, like, you know, a manager's managing 30, 40 people. Yeah. Like, how do you even connect with 
30 people <laughs> on an individual basis, you know? I think that's the most difficult part, though, is is you, you just, you know, I, look, you said it yourself. We've both worked, I think we've both worked for, maybe James, maybe you have as well, in organizations where you're one of like 30, 40, 50 people yeah. on a team. And you talk to your manager once a month, maybe, maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, you're somebody off doing something. And if you like, you hear from your boss when, frankly, when crap's bad, right? And, and right. nobody ever goes, hey, how's, how's your week going? Like, how's the family? They go, they're like, hey, you didn't make your numbers this, this quarter. What's going mm -hmm. on? Right? Or, or uh, hey, you missed a call or you know, whatever. Um, and it, and it, I think those smaller teams give you that person personal bit back. Yes. I think that's where the really well per performing teams, particularly, I think there's a, there's an art form to managing like techies, particularly mm -hmm. security techies. Cause you know, technical people are a special breed, but in our, our corner of the, of the, uh, of the world, man, we're, 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 we're really special. I agree a hundred percent. Um, it's, you know, you have introverts versus extroverts. You have definitely have more introverted people as pen testers. Mm -hmm. Pen testers are more paranoid just by nature, right? Yeah. Um, but also will uh, scrutinize and criticize very quickly in a positive way, right? They question things. They question authority. They question lots of stuff that as a manager you have to consider that we're dealing with very smart people here, Um smarter than you <laughs> and can hack the crap out of you as well. So um, you're right. I, I, you do have to, um, I think communication becomes, I mean, communication is important no matter, you know, what type of leader you are, but even more so over communicating is important, but also I'd say understanding their personality types. And that's yeah. something that you really have to understand people at an individual level, because there's some people that are just so introverted that they get like, I don't want my boss talking to me. Like, I just want to do my job. I, I want to be left alone. And those are the people that you really have to engage and really get them out of their shell, so to speak. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and understand what makes them tick so you can motivate them, reward them, um, you know, understand who they are to make them even better. Right. Cause that's your job as a leader, make people better. Yeah. I think that's the difference you see, you know, amongst, when you talk about management of, of 30, 40 people on my team, what's that manager doing? They're doing, you know, scheduling, they're doing like very high level activities versus when you have that smaller uh, team that you're in tune with, you actually focus on career growth, yeah. personal growth, you're invested in those team members, you know, so th there's a big drastic difference between I'm a scheduler slash manager <laughs> And I'm actually, yeah. you know, helping build a team. Yeah, but how many places you see that are like that, that that's all it is. You know, it's like, oh, well, we just need somebody for people to report into. Mm -hmm. And you don't really have that connection with them. Yeah. You know, I got to say, when you have a team that is like pen testers and and folks that operate independently because you've got teams that operate as a team. You've got teams that operate as individuals mm -hmm. and those, those are completely different, right? Do you have more individuals or do you have more people that work together? How does, how does your structure, like, what do you find that works? Um, I think we have a, a good mix of both. Um, but I'd say that the work is definitely more individual just by nature of being remote 
right? Um, even though I'd say people work together as teams, depending on the project, but it's all, it's all virtual, right? Um, we're just now starting just like other companies starting to get back together in terms of offices and get togethers and things like that. And, but I think it's changed since the pandemic, right? Um, if it all is project-based essentially. Um, and sometimes the client dictates that, I mean, I remember we used to have, you know, we'd go on site for engagements. Remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> who, who does that anymore? Right. Yeah. Um, where you worked as a team. I mean, I remember at secure state, we we're all in one room called the war room, all the pen testers. Right. And we would collaborate and work together and it was awesome. And now we do, we try to do things like that virtually or in smaller teams. Um, but it's important to still keep that connection with other people. Um, and I also, I think that's really important for the introverts on your team too, of they still, they may say that oh, I don't want to be around people, but they still have to have some of that social interaction, whether it's on Slack or it's other, you know, type of interaction, that's still very important for them. All right, how, do you, brought... how do you go about, cause mentioning like the, the remote, you know, talk about the difference between not only just in-person teams for remote teams, but also like with everything going global, like people in way different time zones, you know, oh, like yeah. people that are 12 hours off from you, you know, 10 hours off from you, how to handle that? Like, is it better to have management that is similar time zone? Like what are some of the challenges yeah. you see there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was at Veracode, we had um, a team in the UK, a pen test team. And while that time zone wasn't that far off, right? Five hours difference from the US. Um, we still had a manager over that team locally um, to handle things that, you know, you know, when you're sleeping, <laughs> things are going to happen, right? That that manager has to address. You can't just wait those five hours till someone comes online. It's even worse if you're like in Japan or Australia, right? Where you're talking completely different time zones. Um, you have to have, I think, local management there to handle situations. Um, I, it would just be difficult or most impossible to manage a team remotely across the other side of the world. I mean, even more than just the like situations, but we were talking about, you know, like the growth, the like yeah. all that stuff. Career being, growth, all yeah. of that. And language too, I think comes into it. Um, so for example, we've got a Mexico office at Bishop Fox and that's all run, you know, locally. Uh, they speak Spanish, you know, so if you don't speak the language, it's going to be much more difficult for you to, uh, to manage teams, especially remotely. But even if you're, you know, coming down there as a manager, um, and if you're not familiar with the language, it's going to be very challenging. Um, yeah. Uh, let me, um, let me throw this in there because you mentioned it, you mentioned Slack and collaboration. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about all this? How, how do you feel about this work? You know, everybody working remotely because frankly, uh -huh. damn it. I miss the days when we all work together in the same room and I could, yeah. Throw a Cheeto at somebody to get their attention. <laughs> Nerf dart. <laughs> yeah. Remember there are days? stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. There may be one famous shot heard across Shut the up. world. See, I knew that was good. Ah, but... I have given that's good. But <laughs> yeah. Ah! Uh, anyway. Um, but yeah. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about remote? Do you, do you see remote collaboration as good as like the, 
hey mark or hey sue like next to you no it'll never be as good um you can't you can't beat in-person interactions and communication but you can get pretty close i think virtually um but I think people miss that physical connection or like you said, getting hit with a Nerf dart has a much greater impact than <laughs> physically, right? Then, you know, oh, look, look, I'm going to shoot this dart across my my screen to the other side of the room. That's not fun, right? No. Um, but, you know, I, you can get close, but like I missed for the whole time that we were in the pandemic, right? Like it was killing me not to travel and, you know, see people. And that's why getting out to conferences again, right, is now a big deal because if, if you choose to go, because, well, guess what, people? The pandemic is still going on, but people still want to get together, right? I mean, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're humans, right? We have to interact physically with people. It's, it's our this nature. Is, this is the thing. This is the thing. And I, and I think that what's part of managing, and this is kind of what I want to lead us, part of managing people is the things that we haven't done in, in a couple of years now, or we're starting to again, but like, Hey, let's take the team out for lunch. Yeah. Everybody fly. I, I tell you what, my, my go-to leadership tactic for when uh, you have a distributed team and you want to really get productivity, it's, it's okay that we're all working, you know, across the globe, across the country, wherever, every other, once every six weeks, we're all going to fly to the same place. We're going to close the door on a room for three days. And we're going to get more done in those three days oh, yeah. than we would get done in three months. Mm-hmm. And, and and look, I, I know I, I've had arguments with people like, no, it's just as good. No, it's not. It's absolutely it's not. not. I agree. I, maybe, Tom, maybe we're just old school. Maybe we're just you know, old get off our lawn <laughs> kind of guys. Right? James, you don't have any gray hair, so you can't. You can. yeah, I've got a little bit. I was just saying to somebody, I've got a little bit. It's just hard to see. Yeah, it's I'm there. blonde, so it's 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 gone from like blonde to like darker blonde to like oh hell, yeah. I'm just it's just you know anyway. Um, I I don't want to. I'm getting old. I hate this. But is it is it a is it an like an age gap? And I'm not saying this joking. I'm just serious. Like, is there an age gap thing that that's like people that grew up with Slack that don't know any any better? Like, don't appreciate the in person. I don't think so. I mean, I, I could tell you that we had a lot of consultants when they opened up our office that are, I'd say, the younger generation that were coming into the office more so than the older people um, because enough. they're just they want social time with their peers. So I, I don't think it is an age thing, honestly. I think well, it they is, say there's 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 a, a big push too, like the younger, younger folks tend to like to be in an office at times because they're trying to learn. Yes. And, you know, to be able to be around maybe more senior, more seasoned mm-hmm. people, you know, it's harder if we're sitting there doing this over Zoom or Slack and you're an intern or you're, you know, a junior level person coming in. Like, how do you learn from somebody? You talk about Secure State being in the war room where everybody's in there doing stuff. Yep. The amount you learn in a single day of what people are doing, and what they're talking about is huge. And, you know, so maybe vice versa. The older, more seasoned people are like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Leave me alone. I just want to do my work. <laughs> Maybe. But I, I don't know. There's something There's something to being able to sit in the same room at the same whiteboard with somebody that Absolutely. just completely changes things. Um, and, and part of, like I said, part of my management strategy 
a leadership strategy is always get people into a room. Uh, yeah. Just talk, talk. Even if like there were, I, I'm telling you, the, the, <laughs> I had a couple of comments one time. People were like, we just spent the entire morning like BSing. Like we didn't actually do anything on the agenda. I'm like, I know, but look, these, these are humans again to you now. They're not just people on a flat screen. <laughs> That's right. You, you, you have that. Now you spend an hour, two hours, three hours with six, five, six, seven other people having conversations about things that you don't talk about over Zoom because you're like, all right, on the next meeting. All right, on the next meeting here. It's like the world is outside these walls. And like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we went to the, you know, we went to the vacation. Oh yeah, what'd you guys do? Oh yeah, we started talking. And then eventually we rolled into like, oh man, I was, you know, I rebuilt my work, uh, my machine, my pen testing machine. I, I added this. Oh, have you played with this? And you, and then the conversation starts to dig and you're like, wow, we just had a super productive conversation that felt human again. Well, think about that, Raph, too. Like even when you'd have, like in an office, when you'd have a meeting, right? People show up early and, you know, they, they chit chat. And what about when the meeting is over? On yeah. a Zoom meeting, oh. as soon as the content's Click. done, out. I'm out. Right. But if they are like you'd sit in the room, you'd maybe talk, you know, maybe it'd be conversational and then it's off, you know, and, and you're switching rooms like yeah. here. You switch mm -hmm. a Zoom call. I'm sitting in the same spot. I'm looking yeah. at the same screen. Yeah. You know, they are. Yeah. The most valuable conversations in the hallway. You're getting you're up. Having. You're walking yeah. across. Somebody sees you and are like, hey, uh, do you know this? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah. You know, and you, you handle it. There's a lot of pros to it. And this has come from somebody I'm perfectly fine sitting home working remote. Like, <laughs> well, I trust me, I like my remote job too. Don't get me yeah, wrong. <laughs> I like well, going I to the office occasionally. And I think that's the key, right? Is in a remote workforce, I still think you have to go into an office occasionally. I'm not saying like even weekly, right? I'm talking about like for me, it's like once a quarter, right? I'm still seeing my leadership team. I'm still seeing people I work with and still having those physical interactions. And I still need that for me personally. That's really yeah. important. I think we do. I think, I think that kind of brings us back to the, 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 you know, the, why a small team is better than a massive one. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you can get those bonds with people that you build trust, you build relationships that, you know, uh, keep people engaged in their jobs Cause it's just, it's just, some people, it's just a job and that's fine mm -hmm. for a lot of us. This is you know a big part of what we are and who we are. Right. I mean, it, it really yeah. does make a lot of difference that you are happy in your job and, I, and plenty of people are fine switching every six months, 12 months, whatever. I, I that's not, like, that makes me uncomfortable personally. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. The best relate, the best jobs I've ever had may not have necessarily been the best paying, or even, you know, like the most, you know, financially, economically rewarding. But I worked in a great team. I worked in, you know, for somebody that I, I get to, like, I'm privileged enough that I call my friend late after, after it's all said and done. And we, we create these opportunities, I think, that you don't get with a big team. You don't get with a, um, a really large organization that's just, you know, serial numbers and email addresses. I think that's a... It's an interesting point to to bring out. Like best job I've ever had was in an office, right? Mm -hmm. It was a small team. We had a lot of fun. Like it was, you know, very family like, just mm -hmm. super fun. But take that same group and put them in the corporate mm -hmm. office where, you know, it's a completely different feel. You don't have the nerf guns. And I think listen, I'm not a 
you know, ping pong table and that type of office environment person. But like the I stuff am. we would do, you know, in that small office, you know, you'd have you're like kids in there sometimes. Like it's hard work, but then it's just total mm-hmm. goofy. But then I've been in office situations where, you know, the person next to you, like everything they do just annoys you. Like, like it's it's more distraction than it is helpful. You know, so finding it's that balance of, you know, <laughs> does this work? Does it not work? <laughs> Stinky things in the microwave. You remember that yes. in the office? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The break room. Yeah. Somebody, somebody burning popcorn in the microwave or something like that. Yep. And the whole place starts to... <laughs> You know, yeah. it starts to air it out. Then you're like, oh, that's kind of fun, actually. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's lots of negatives sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that goes back to the point. It's knowing, like, the individuals and knowing what yeah. works best for people. You know, there you see these people post on LinkedIn, you know, like, oh, everybody needs to go back to the office. And then somebody's like, everybody, everybody is not the answer to anything, as we've seen with anything in life. You know, it's some people yeah. work better remotely, you know, because maybe they have ticks where they don't like little things that people do. And, you know, it's just a distraction to them. Whereas some people, I know people that can't work from home because they're like, yeah, I'd be surfing all day. Yeah. I wouldn't, and right. by surfing, I mean, actually in the water surfing, not nah. surfing the web, <laughs> you know, they're like, I wouldn't sit at home and work. Yeah. Like I would, I couldn't do it. Like I'd be off doing whatever. So, you know, there's a healthy mix of everybody. It's just as management, right. It's identifying like, you said, Tom, you know, what is your personality? What works for that person? And how do I help create that environment? Hey, James, you brought up a point. I want to ask Tom a question about productivity. You kind of leaned into it, but didn't quite get there. But um, I've had uh, a couple of questions from friends that have recently joined the remote workforce. Like, how do, how do how does my boss know that I'm being productive? Like, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily you know is it okay if I if I leave for 15 minutes to go grocery shopping or or get myself a sandwich? I'm like having been yeah. do having done this for almost you know 15 years. I'm kind of like yes, that's weird. Um, but how do you how do you gauge productivity? How do you measure productivity? How do you measure employee engagement when it's remote? Yeah. They're not physically sitting there, so you can't see what they're doing. So it's, um, so there's two things is number one, as a manager and leader, you have to set expectations of what do you expect of them, um, in terms of their work and when they should be online, how I'm going to be able to communicate with them. You know, I, I don't care if you go to the grocery store, you know, or do some personal errand during the day, you know, your work day. But what I do need to know is how can I get a hold of you? Right? Is that phone? Is that Slack or, or whatever that is? If there's an emergency or some situation, I need to get a hold of you. So the worst thing that you can do as a remote employee is go dark on your manager, and yeah. you can't get you can't you know you need to be um, have a way to communicate with your with your your boss or manager. It's so important. The other thing is you have to have trust in the people that you hire. Like yeah. If, if you didn't, if you don't trust them, then why did you hire them and bring them onto your team? So you kind of have to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Until you start seeing performance changes, uh, quality start going down. You know, th- there's other triggers that you'll see as a manager that something's not quite right here. But what you need to do is you need to talk to them and communicate and saying, hey, I noticed you weren't online. I couldn't get a hold of you. Hey, let's talk about that for a minute. Um reiterating the expectations that you originally set. But I think a lot of managers kind of go into this thinking like, I don't know what they're doing. They got to be working. Like 
I'm going to install yeah. surveillance software on their laptops and then and counting their, you know, their mouse clicks. Right. That's, I remember I used to have a I used to have a manager way back. We used AOL Instant Messenger at work. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they would they would literally if you went away yeah. on AOL Instant Messenger, they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you, know you I mean? why are you going away? Yeah, why why are you not? And they would they would why I think they spend half their day yeah. watching your status on instant messenger. Yeah. You know, and that this is one of the things I think it came out a little bit more with COVID, but the the ability to have that flexibility, you know, of hey, I need to run to the store or I need yeah. to go do whatever. Like me, you know, my my sons are old enough, they do sports at school, you know, and they're at the age where sports at school are at like four o'clock. <laughs> they're not mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. So you're like three 30, I got a dip. And you know, but it, again, it goes back to what you're saying, Tom, of setting those expectations ahead of time from both sides, right? Yeah, like both sides, as exactly. an individual contributor, yeah. Hey, you know, my son's got this It's at three 30, you know, during this time frame, like once a week, I might have to leave a little bit early. Um, you know, yeah. but setting that expectation both ways mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make sure I get this stuff done. I think the other thing, though, to hit on, and it's not staying technical, but also from management to have an understanding of a realistic understanding of how long do tasks take. So when you set those expectations, like, hey, this is great. You've been working on that for four months. That was a two day thing. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what's what going, going on, on here. You know, like. You, you have to have some sort of knowledge of, hey, this kind of takes about this much. You know, we talked about that, Raph, with Jim the other day, you yeah. know, about doing SOWs and everything. Having that experience to know, yeah, this is like a week's worth of work, even with you having some flexible stuff. But we're a month into this and we're not finished yet. You know, but it all comes down to communication, too. Like, if you're not communicating regularly on what your status is. And, and the stuff that you're working on and your manager has no idea what you're doing, that's obviously failure at the higher level, right? Like you're not paying attention to be able to track that. But well, I think a lot of people have that that nervousness, you know, like, oh, can I do this? Or you get the people that over report what they're doing. They're like, okay, yeah. I'm taking the dog for a walk. I'm going for lunch. <laughs> I've I had to use the restroom. Like, slow it down, like, dude. You don't like, tell me good. everything, right? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. Don't need to go know when you're going to the bathroom. Those are <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, what do you want to leave people with? Because we're out of time, and uh, your your official first appearance on the uh, Wow DTSR podcast. I, I still can't believe it, but uh, it, it's been an honor, Ref. And uh, I, I would like to plug my talk at uh, B Sides Vegas. So, um, if you're interested in hearing more about uh, management and leadership, I'm giving a talk called Management Hacking 101. Uh, in the uh, higher ground track, it's on Wednesday at 10:30 a.m. So uh, check that out if you're going to be at uh, Besides Vegas. Come one, nice. come all, and I and I have to I, since you're doing that, I'm going to plug Rafcon. Okay, Rafcon's happening. Rafcon. Rafcon. Yeah. yeah, no, it's Rafcon. Where is Rafcon's Rafcon? Happening. Yeah, is that is that next week as well? Or you you've never heard of Rafcon? Well, who are you? Oh wait, no, <laughs> Rafcon is who, every time I see you, it's Rafcon. So I mean, <laughs> is there a special so, Rafcon? What? <laughs> no, so uh, a, a number of years ago, Rafi Marty and I um, got together. We declared anytime him and I were in the same space, we just call it Rafcon. Oh, Raf and Raf. So uh, be at Rafcon then next week. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's Wednesday four ish to six ish. 
is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know. It's on my Twitter feed. Um, okay. And uh, Rafi already posted it too. So uh, come one, come all. Buy your own drinks. Nice. Buy us drinks. I mean, that's nice how you should Raph. You don't even know when it is. That's good. <laughs> I, I, we haven't. We decided and picked it. Rafi picked a place. I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, I don't know where nice. it is. It's it's on Twitter. So I mean, somebody will remind me where to be. That's just kind of like, come on, we're going to, we're going to black hat. Tom, you, you know how these things work, right? Somebody always just gives you a schedule. You just, you go where you're told, you do what yep. you're told. And, and then like you land, you look at your schedule, you start doing the things on your schedule and then you take a breath and realize, crap, I got to catch my plane home. And that's it. That's pretty much the whole week. Yeah. 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 So, all right. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening folks. James, thanks for uh, giving us a bit of your evening here. And uh, Tom, awesome having you on board. Yeah. Thanks we'll, for having uh, me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we got we got to get you back. You know, we, we got to make up all those episodes you should have been on. Yeah, oh I was gonna say yeah. another another five hundred episodes. We're getting back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> let's schedule your. Years. Let's schedule now. That's what the you guest get for list two is long, man. I, we're popular. What can I say? Nice. <laughs> all right, folks. Okay, thanks for listening. Thank this has been another down the security rabbit hole podcast. We'll catch you later. So long and ciao. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole